Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. Uh, at New Abbey, we believe in conversation because we believe that God's working through every single one of us. So if you find three or four people around you, you're gonna answer this simple question. Is your life working out for you? Enjoy. The thing that I believe about Jesus maybe more than anything is that Jesus is practical. Jesus is a pragmatist. Jesus doesn't really ask you to believe in things. Jesus asks you to follow him. He wants to know that your life is actually working out for you. That this faith thing, this journey of Jesus is not a bunch of concepts. It's about, hey, how is your life working in the here and now? And so there is this question moves me in a way because the conversations that I get to have with you all on a weekly basis at a coffee or a beer or a breakfast or a lunch or whatever, it always comes back to this reality. Is your actual life working for you? Does this actual God and relationship that you have with Jesus actually work for where you're at? That you're no longer sold on the ideas of God. You don't want to just talk about God. That you want relationship with God or for this thing to practically change and transform your life and to change and transform the world. There's this quote that I have from this businessman named Deming, and it goes like this. Every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. Dimming was this guy who in the 70s and 80s went to Japan to learn the industrial revolution that was happening there post-World War II and why they were so efficient and effective at some things. Talk about a good time on a Sunday morning, I know. And what Dimming is talking about is just the reality that all systems are perfectly designed to get the results that you get. Last night, I went out with my nephew. I took him to this, like, fancy, like, Mexican food. I got this, like, fancy burrito that it was, like, a Baja burrito with shrimp. I had some, like, crema on it. It was incredible. I had a margarita or two. None of your business, right? And then I finished it off at the Modelo because it was a great night. And what I realized is I am content and satisfied with that burrito and those one-ish or more margaritas because I'm satisfied with who I am and the dad bod that I present to this world. Thank you. I have never so, felt so affirmed. I'm going to the pool today later, so I'm gonna be just strutting around in my board shorts, just, were you clapped for today? I don't know. Speedo, I'm not that confident in my dad bod. But God bless you if you are. What I know, though, is the system of what I eat, drink, and how I perceive myself fits perfectly for the result that I want, dad bod. If I want rock-hard abs, you do not have 2,000-calorie burritos with more than one margarita at night. You create a system of things like the gym, sit-ups, broccoli, air, that's about it. If that's what you want, that's what you put, that's the system that you create to get that type of result. And we know this to be true individually or corporately. We live in a country where the results that are, we are getting is because of the systems that are created. And so if we want different results, we better change the systems. Many of you live in the system of a relationship that you're getting certain types of results and you, we live in this world of insanity, we're like, why does this keep happening to me? How come I don't have the abs? How come I don't have this type of relationship? Because of the system that that thing is in. 
So if we want to see different results, we have to create a different system. A common theme that comes up in this room a lot of times, and this happens in my own life, is that somewhere in that coffee or beer, people will say, I'm tired, I'm worn out, and I'm burnt out. Any hands? Because I live in Los Angeles. This thing is hard sometimes. There's a hustle just to survive here. I'm trying to figure this out, and it's just not always working out for me. And so we can keep naming the result, but I think what Jesus constantly invites us into is changing the system. And so the system that I want to think about today is just this reality of rest. How do we think about the revolution of rest that God offers to us and how when we live into rest in a different way and how revolutionary that it is, we will begin to see different results in our life. And so to talk about rest, we got to talk about some things. We're going to talk about four-letter words. If we can talk about some four-letter words, then we'll talk about going from subjugation to revolution. And if we can talk about moving from subjugation to revolution, then, my friends, we'll be reminded that we are creators. And if we can talk about the fact that we're creators, then we'll talk about space. If we can talk about space, then the enemy that is hurry. And if we can talk about hurry, then we can live into the presence. And then, uh, guy I know, Rob Bell. And if we can talk about Rob Bell, then we can say no. And if we can say no to some things, then yokes. I'm reading this, by the way, but this like little Edison light bulb is right here, and my people is just burnt, by the way. It is absolutely <laughs> seared. I look back at you and just like, you're all angelic now, so <laughs> praise God. The four-letter word that I often hear from people is busy. I'm just busy. How are you doing? Oh, I've been so busy. Oh, what's going on? Like, Man, I've been crazier than ever. I've been busy. Busy, busy, busy. Busy is not a helpful word. Busy is a result because we have a system that's actually not working out for our lives, that our lives are so busy at times that we often feel like that we're missing them in some ways. And the other four-letter word I want to move towards is rest. That how do we move from a system of busyness and move towards a system of rest so that our lives and the results in them can look different. And so to do that, I want to read from Exodus chapter 20. And it goes like this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days, God, the creator of the universe, that one, the ground of all being, made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But God, he, she, they rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. These words are over 3,000 years old, and sometimes I think that we forget how actually revolutionary they are. The people of God have just been freed from Egypt and from Pharaoh some 90 days before these words are spoken to them on a mountain. And these words are spoken to all of the people. Let me say it this way. To a group of slaves who were previously subjugated, those same slaves that built pyramids in Ramesses and Githan and all the other names in the Bible that you read over, those slaves were now told, rest is made for you as well. Rest. How powerful is that? Not just the top people in the society you get rest. Your male and your female servants, the foreigners in your land, you need rest. Because subjugation happens when we're busy. How do you keep the Israelites subjugated in Egypt? You make them busy every single day. Because when you are busy, you cannot dream. 
We live in a society where we are so busy that we have forgotten the ability to dream. We are subjugated in many of similar ways, in many very different ways. And we want freedom for our lives in different ways. And one of the first things I want to think about is this, is that when we create a different system of rest, when we participate in Sabbath, when we participate in creating spaces in our life like this, then we become reminded of who we actually are. And this is what God is doing to the Israelites. God is reminding them of who they are. God is reminding them that they are made in the image of the creator and that they are meant to be creators themselves. And that is all of us. We are meant to be creators. Have you ever thought about the reality that the entire world is made up? Somebody made up that chair and how to do it. The language that we're using right now, we all agree to this made up words. Somebody just said dog and they're like, dog. (laughs) Capitalism, made up, we agree to it. It's not real, we just agree to it. The clothes that you're wearing, made up. Every single thing is made up because we are made in the image of a creator and we are creators. That's a powerful reminder because if you are in a system of busyness and you have forgotten the ability to dream, then maybe if you create a system of rest, you begin to have space in your life to remind yourself, no, I was made to be a creator. I don't want to react to my life. I want to create my life. I don't want to live into somebody else's system for who I am supposed to be or for what I can do or for what dollar amount I can have, for who I can love or what I'm allowed to do on this planet. I want to create that reality for myself. Why? Because I am made in the image of the divine. That feels like something worth getting up for. And so if we can think about being creators, that a system of rest moves us there, then we can also think about just creating space. Space is something that we just all need in our lives. I remember for a long time, because I'm a good Enneagram 3, and by a good Enneagram 3, sometimes I'm also an unhealthy Enneagram 3. Someone's going to clap for that? I'm not, yeah, that's fine. We'll talk. And so that means that I like to bury my emotions by working harder. Talk about a good time. I talk to my wife. And so there was a season in my life as a pastor where I would just schedule meetings every hour on the hour. Because I was scheduling meetings every hour on the hour, I was constantly in a state of hurry and busyness. Not only did I feel that anticipation when like 50 minutes into a conversation, somebody's telling me their deepest, darkest secrets, I knew that somebody else was about to walk in the door. And I am not creating a culture or space for them to thrive or become creators now because I'm so busy myself. Life is voluntary, my friends. All of it. You don't have to have that job. Be in that relationship, do that thing, you're choosing it, I'm choosing it, we're all choosing it. And sometimes it's the simple things in life. I'm like, why do I do this to myself? How about, I just schedule meetings every two hours. And the narratives go in my head, well then you won't be busy enough and people are gonna think you're not working hard enough and all these insecurities and you know what I had to tell myself? Go to a therapist. So, went to a therapist, (laughs) dealt with some basic things in my life and now I schedule meetings every two hours out because I want space from hurry. Because when you live in the world of hurry, it is the enemy of your soul. Have you ever been in a hurry and felt these results? Peace and joy. No, that is not a fruit of hurry. That is a fruit of rest. Because you had enough space to look at your life 
and say, oh, I've got peace and joy right now. Have you ever been on the interstates in a hurry trying to get to the thing that you were already late for because you were at home looking on the internet or what I do because I'm a nerd. I was playing chess.com. That's my business, right? Because I thought I could sneak it in before the next meeting. Now I'm leaving my house five minutes late and I'm in a hurry and I'm mad at the traffic. As the sages would say, though, I am not in traffic. I am the traffic. That was for free. You are welcome. <laughs> that hurry does not create peace and joy. Creating space for my life creates peace and joy. There is a moment of hurry Monday through Friday every single day at my house. And that is because by 7.30 a.m., our children must leave the house. I already looked at one mom, and she's already laughing, so you know. <laughs> the panic that is a school day. And most of my other kids are doing their things, but I have a middle child. And this middle child, I prepare him for everything, right? Have your shoes ready. Have your water bottle ready. Make sure your lunch is ready. Get these things going. He's like, I'm on it, Dad. I'm on it, Dad. Doesn't sound like you're on it because I can hear you roaring like a T-Rex from your bedroom. And I know that you're playing with your dinosaurs right now and definitely not filling your water bottle. 729 runs around. He hears that we're going to the car. What are you guys doing? Why are you leaving me? What's going on here? It's just the panic of hurry. And he's just a kid. He's got time. We're going to help him create some different systems, but how many of us feel that way as adults? We haven't utilized some tools in our lives. We haven't lived as creators. We're not making space, and we feel the same rush and hurriness and busyness in our life, and we just simply feel overwhelmed. We feel tired and worn out and burned out. And so if we can see the results of rest being creators, if we can see the results of rest being something that we create space in our life, then we also want to move towards presence. Presence is just the gift of getting to be in the moment. Something that we lose in hurry is that we lose the ability for gratitude. That when we are in a rush, when our life is so consumed, when it feels like the pharaohs and the Egypts around us, the systems are too much, it's hard for us to slow down and simply be grateful that this life is a gift. Right now, in this moment, there are billions of things going right so that you can breathe. That should always blow our minds. That this moment is a gift because we have created space with one another to remind each other of what is true. That presence is something that's just powerful. Uh, a mentor of mine, Rob Bell, he used to live in Laguna, and so I would go down and have tacos with him. I remember the first time that I ever hung out with Rob, we were at some taco shop, and we were going to go drive to Newport together in his car, and the whole time he had just moved to LA from Michigan, and he's talking about the ocean and how beautiful it is and incredible and all these things. And I remember just being in a season of my life where I was at a different church. I was so busy all of the time. I prided myself in my busyness. I wanted to outwork everybody else because I knew that everyone was only thinking about me and how busy and awesome that I was. And I missed the ocean. And I remember years later, I'm talking with Rob at the same taco shop. And I had gotten there 30 minutes earlier because I had created some space in my life. And I just sat at the ocean in Laguna and just was in amazement at the thing that many of us do at times. When you're just at the ocean, you're like, this is incredible. And I remember telling Rob this. And then he stole it and put it at the end of one of his books. And so I'm at the final chapter of How to Be Here. Bragger, I know, but go check it out. And if Rob sells seven more books, you're welcome because of that. <laughs> but it's this powerful moment and reminder of, oh, being present is everything. If I'm just skimming over my own life, was it actually worth living? 
There's this German philosopher who talks about the idea that we're so alive not to be dead, but some of us are so dead not to be truly alive. And maybe the reality that we want for our lives is that we want to create space and we want to be present so that we can actually live the lives that we want. And so I want to end with this practical steps that I get from Jesus. Jesus says this in Matthew 11. He says, come to me. Actually, try this. Would you close your eyes for these words? Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen to the Eugene Peterson version of this. Keep those eyes closed. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's an invitation that I want from Jesus. Where my burdens, the exhaustion of life, the places that I'm worn out, that I can come to Jesus with, and that Jesus wants to help carry the load. This is our last week in the book of Exodus, and a theme that we've had through this entire book is this, that there is God's part and that there is our part. This is the story of faith that we enter into. There's God's part because sometimes there's Egypts and Pharaohs and systems that just feel too overwhelming for us, and we need something beyond ourselves to rescue us, to liberate us, to save us. And to that, God says, I will always pursue you. And then there is our part. After the God does liberating and saving and freeing, God says, now I want you to learn to save yourselves. Now I want you to learn to create better systems so that the foreigner in your land doesn't go through what you went through in Egypt. Now that's a powerful invitation. And so I want to first start with simply this, our part, and it's quick. The most practical thing we can do to create a system of rest is to simply think about time. And to simply think about time, I just want you to ask the one question to your own soul of what do I need to say no to? Have you ever looked at your screen time at the end of a week? Sometimes I look at it, I'm like, this is awful. I have a part-time relationship here with my iPhone. Thank you, Steve Jobs. And sometimes in it, I think that it's rest. But I want you to think about what are the things that you can say no to where you actually rest. How many of you have had days off and you're doing errands, you're getting chores done, you're going to go play, you watch a bunch of Netflix and then you stay up too late because it was a new series and you're trying to binge it and there was a lot going on and then you had more than two margaritas and you couldn't really sleep because you got the alcohol thing in your system. I'm just talking hypothetically here. (laughs) But how many of you ever had those types of days off? Instead of days off where I actually rest, where there is no agenda where the beauty is that God has invited me for the other six days to be a creator, and this day I just revel in the reality that I am created and that I don't have to hold everything. On this day, the universe is already held for me. Now that's some good stuff. What can you say no to in your life to say yes to a system of rest? That's our part. God's part goes like this. 
Jesus is inviting us again, not into a belief system, but into a way of following Jesus. And that's why Jesus uses this imagery of a yoke. A yoke in the ancient world was simply just this big wooden thing that would go over the backs of two oxen so that when they pulled the field together, they were sharing the workload. That doesn't always work for our society, but you get the imagery. Jesus is saying this, I promise you, you already have a yoke on. And that yoke feels like you are worn out and burned out and tired. That you are busy. And I am offering you a completely different yoke. I am offering you a completely different system to live by because I know that this yoke of busyness is creating results in your life of being tired and busy and worn out. And so I want to give you a yoke where me, the God of the universe, shares the yoke with you so that you can participate in rest so that the results of this new system is filled with joy and peace and gratitude and being creators and having space to dream and being present for the very gift of a life that you're living. Now that's an invitation that I want. An invitation where Jesus is not playing games with us. This isn't some story of, you've been bad, I came to die for you so that you can go to heaven one day. This is an invitation of what Jesus says is, I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest. Because this life matters. It is not all about bringing people to heaven one day. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about the afterlife here. I used to love this phrase that we're so earthly, that we're so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. What I'm saying is sometimes that we have been, had yokes of evangelicalism. We've had yokes of other systems where the results weren't actually working out for us. Where you put on this yoke because somebody told you it would help you, and then years later you actually realize it burdened you more. It was too heavy. And so that's the litmus test for your life. If this yoke feels too heavy and you still feel burned out and worn out and tired and busy, you do not have to wear it. You can say no to some things in order to say yes to rest. And the invitation of Jesus, and this is faith, is, and we'll walk together in a different way, well, I will shoulder some of these burdens for you. And that's the invitation. There is our part, and there is God's part. And together, New Abbey, would we be creators. Together, New Abbey, would we create such beautiful and rich space in our lives that we could be present for one another. That this life that we're living, we wouldn't skim over it. That together, New Abbey, we would create a new and more beautiful world. Would you find those same three or four people and have this conversation with one another? What do you need to say no to to say yes to rest? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey Podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.